0: me for the way I am, save me from these evil deeds before
1: I get them done, I know tomorrow brings the consequence at hand, but I keep living this day like the next will never come. to grab your cell phones if you have them here with you this morning we are going to take a kahoot quiz and i want you to tell me i want you to give me feedback on which video that we're going to play makes you feel the most guilty so pull up your web browser and there we're going to th- show 3 videos perhaps some that you've seen before some that you may not have and they're all going to probably on some level make you at least think about feeling guilty, whether they make you feel guilty or not, that's up to you. But go to Kahoot, and then uh, it is kahoot.it. That's the website that you're going to look for, kahoot.it. And then you need to enter your game pin, which is 835956. 835-956 835956 five, and you can give yourself a screen name if you would like And now what's going to happen is after we log in, we're going to show you three video clips. At the end of the three, I want you to vote for which one causes you to feel guilty. And then we're going to explore why.
2: I want to give you an opportunity right now to go to your phone and call and say, I want to go to another level. Here is my $111 seed or whatever seed God lays on your heart. He may lay $111 on your heart. He may, he may lay $11 on your heart. He may, low, he may sow uh, or put on your heart, I should say, $1,000 and $11. I don't know. He may put on your heart $11,000. It's not the size of the gift. It's the obedience of, uh, of your heart. The woman didn't give Elisha a million dollars. She built a room on her home for him. And she got into a flow. I shared this with you tonight because it's been on my heart all, all the last three or four days. I've been studying and praying over it. I believe with all my heart that God wants to use this mightily in your life for you to start going from level to level to level to level. Why don't you get up and call right now? The number is 918-495-7777. That's 918 or go online oralroberts.com Stay tuned right where you are.
0: Every day, thousands of animals throughout America are neglected, tortured, and often killed. But you can help stop this horrible abuse by supporting the Humane Society of the United States. With your generous donation, you can be a partner in our ongoing fight to end unspeakable cruelty, rescue these innocent animals, and give them the love and care they so desperately deserve. For just $19 a month, you can join the Humane Society of the United States in our fight to eliminate animal abuse everywhere. Call in the next 20 minutes to join our fight. We'll also send you this special jacket so everyone will know you're supporting the fight against animal cruelty. And we'll also send you a free subscription to our award-winning magazine, All Animals.
3: I'm Katrina LeMay Doan. Behind me is a very poor village in Africa. And this is Sophia. She's eight years old and life is very hard for her. Children here struggle just to stay alive. It's a place where there's a lot of disease. And even though you see these pictures, and know that it's happening, many of you won't do anything to help. But what if Sophia was my child or your child? In Canada, we can't imagine what it's like to live like this. But I'm here and I know these children really need your help. For just over a dollar a day, you can sponsor a child. A child like Sophia. Uh,
1: if you noticed those three ads, they all were intentional about provoking us to feel guilty, so that then we would be prompted to what? Do something. That's the whole point of guilt. If you can leave today. And start thinking about guilt and asking yourself, is this something I am feeling because I have intentionally, and that is a key word this morning, intentionally done something to hurt someone or bring harm to someone or something, or have I intentionally broken a moral, ethical, or legal law or code, then I should feel guilty. You should feel guilty. But there are millions of other things in our lives that cause us to feel guilty. We feel guilty that we're not a good mom or a good dad, a good parent. We feel guilty that we're not a good friend. We don't devote enough time or energy we feel guilty perhaps because we're not a good spouse or we're not a good daughter or we're not a good son we feel guilty because we could be a better manager at work we feel guilty because we didn't make the grade we wanted to on the test in school we feel guilty because we didn't have the athletic ability to make the team or score the winning run or the winning touchdown we feel guilty because we're not a good enough employee or because we're not a good enough manager I could go on for the rest of the hour about why we don't feel like we are enough and why we feel guilty. But those are all external things. We live in a world, we live in a society that has external parameters and external boundaries and external expectations that then we take and bring internally into us. Now, those go when they shape us in our moral code. We all have a moral code, what is right versus what is wrong. We have an ethical code, our own sense of ethics that we should live up to and live into. And then we all live in the United States of America, if we're here, probably worshiping online. And we have this thing called a legal system. So there are laws that if we break them, we are found guilty. That's one definition of guilt. Breaking, intentionally breaking a moral, ethical, or legal law or code or intentionally bringing harm to someone else or something. That's the definition of real guilt. Everything else is called neurotic guilt, self-imposed guilt, fake guilt, but we all experience it. My hope for us this morning and this week as we look at the devotions following worship today is for us to explore what is real guilt and what do we do about it when we really feel guilty and then what is fake guilt? What is self-imposed guilt, neurotic guilt, false guilt? And how do we quit feeling guilty when we shouldn't? As followers of Christ, I believe the answer comes in Scripture. I'm going to give us an example this morning of a man who felt guilty and should have. I'm going to read to you a part of the story and then flip back to what it actually records about his actions so that you can see He needed to feel guilty. He majorly broke some moral, ethical, and legal laws on purpose. So he should have felt guilty. But then we're going to look at how we dealt with the guilt and then hopefully answer how we deal with ours. The gentleman that I'm going to read you the passage of Scripture about, his name is David. David. He, in this passage, is now the king of the people of Israel. But I want to give you just a little bit of the back story of David. If you know this part, then just bear with me for just a second, if you don't mind, because it is easy to forget all this ancient Israelite history. David is the king of the people of Israel. He is the second king that they've ever had. The first king was a guy by the name of Saul. He was appointed king by a judge named Samuel. Samuel was the judge over the people of Israel. And the people of Israel, they had, you know, been set free from their captivity, from their slavery. And they entered into the promised land, which was the land that they were set to inhabit as followers of God. And so that's a whole other complicated story. But the people, they're living in the promised land. They are happy. And then it's just not enough. And they decide that they look at all these other people, these other world religions, uh, worshiping many gods and all this kind of stuff. And they decide they have kings. Now, we understand that we're only supposed to be worshiping one God, that there is only one God, one God, Yahweh, and that God exists and is very real in our world, and we don't need to be worshiping, you know, 200 other gods, God of the sun, God of the moon, all those kinds of gods, one God, but we need a king. Can you just give us a king? God had been trying to use his messengers on earth, and I use the pronoun his. Incorrectly, God was trying to use God's messengers on earth to tell the people hey, look, you don't need a king. Just follow me, follow love. Be in me, and you don't have to worry about a king. But the people really wanted a king because everybody else had one, so they needed one too. So God appoints them a king by the name of Saul. Saul, he was quite handsome. He was the eye candy of that generation. He was strategic in battle. He could see things and plot things and understand things that nobody else could see. So he became the first king and he was so successful. I mean, they were winning battles and all this kind of stuff until they encountered this one enemy that just seemed to always be stronger and bigger than they were. And they had like this really huge warrior. His name was Goliath and Saul's army could never beat the Philistine army. And so he calls all people to put their heads together to try to figure out a solution. And as they're trying to figure out a solution, because they keep losing more and more men in this battle, this young shepherd boy named David comes into the picture. David, whose brothers were already out there fighting on the enemy line, David comes into the picture. He says, look, I can slay animals with my bare hands. Let me at this giant. And so Saul agrees. He equips David with his armor. And David's like, no, no, no. I don't need any of that stuff. Just let me be. Just be. And so David goes out and he fights the giant and he wins with some stones the Israelite army wins, and then guess what? Just as any time in life when we win, and it's good, people are happy, and they're cheering, and they're cheering David, and Saul becomes gripped with his own emotion, emotion that we explored several weeks ago, and I invite you to go back and listen to the podcast if you missed those messages, because These emotions are so real in each of our lives, and if we can learn to manage them, to deal with them, we live at one with God, and that's the whole point of this life here on earth is to be at one with God atonement. So, Saul, he's gripped with these negative emotions of anger and disgust and fear, and he begins acting out of those emotions. He becomes paranoid. A lot of scholars and theologians will tell you that they believe that uh, Saul had either bipolar disorder going on or, or some other mental disorder because one minute he's here and the next minute he really was. He was paranoid of David. So he tried to have David killed. His lead warrior who he has then made his right hand and heir to the throne of the kingdom He starts trying to have him killed because he's jealous and he's afraid and he's angry because all the people love David Well, this storyline continues David does not get killed Uh, He offers Saul this gift of forgiveness over and over again. They have a conversation together and then ultimately Saul ends up taking his own life because he is going to be captured in battle and rather than be captured He takes his life David moves into being the king. That's sort of where we are in the story right now. David is the king. He's the man. He's got all the power and all the prestige. And we've talked before, you know, absolute power corrupts absolutely. David made just a few errors. David was a handsome guy. He was just as much eye candy as Saul was. He was a strapping guy fellow to look at. And all the women loved him, swooned over him. And he could basically do whatever he wanted, whenever he wanted. And he lived out of that. He decided that he wanted this beautiful woman who was sunbathing. Her name was Bathsheba. But if you read in Second Samuel, you'll see that her name is only mentioned once or twice. She's usually known as uriah's wife there's a reason for that because david saw bathsheba uriah's wife sunbathing and it gets his attention i believe that scripture says she was sunbathing in the nude and the buff she was beautiful david's handsome we have all that stuff that goes on in our Bodies when we see someone that is beautiful or handsome. And so David decides, hmm, I need to explore what that could be like. So he sends for her. He has one of his many people, minions, go get her, bring her to him. He didn't even like go over and try to get a cup of sugar or something. He has people bring her to him. Now, if the king calls for you, What do you do? She comes. They, he lays with her, is how the scripture puts it. So I'll use that term. She becomes pregnant. Now keep in mind, she is still Uriah's wife. I imagine she sends word to David and says, you know, hey, buddy, guess what? Uriah's been out on the battlefield and I'm with child. You're the baby daddy. What are you going to do about it? And so David, instead of child support or many of the other things that we can do to help one another, especially when we might be a part of the situation, he decides, well, I'll just have Uriah killed. Yeah. What's one more person, right? So he, and this is the part, I just, I mean, the Bible says this. So if you ever wonder why people choose not to follow Christianity or not to follow the Bible, it's because they read verses like this and don't understand it. And they're like, I don't want to worship a God like that. But there's so much more, and we can't take these things out of context. But if you read in 2 Samuel about David, it says, In the morning, David wrote a letter to Joab and sent it by the hand of Uriah. Now he sends... The letter by the hand of the very guy he's trying to kill. In the letter he wrote, set Uriah in the forefront of the hardest fighting and then draw back from him so that he may be struck down and die. David plans to have Uriah killed. Now then later in the story, uh, a prophet comes in to the picture And his name was Nathan. And he has a conversation with David. He tells David a story, a parable, sort of like how Jesus talked to the people. He told them stories, hoping that they would glean the point. He tells David a story and asks David, who is wrong in this story? And David gives the right answer. And then Nathan says to him, that person, it's you. You are have just done the same thing by lying with Bathsheba and then having her husband killed. You're the one who's messed up. And so as they're having this conversation, David's like, Oh, my. I sure have. Nathan goes on to tell David, You know, life's going to be really hard this situation is not just going to go away and go away easily and so they continue in dialogue and then nathan goes to his house in second samuel chapter 12 verse 15 we read the lord struck the child that uriah's wife bathsheba bore to david and it became very ill now i have to pause right there because that is not our understanding of God, and I can't get into that in this message, but I do not want you to go away thinking that God, Yahweh, love, like, killed a baby to prove a point to David, That is not how theologians and scholars interpret this passage. And remember, Scripture is the divine inspired word of God. We do not believe it fell, you know, out of the skies, you know, as a complete package. Man's interpretation and thousands of years of history have gone into the writing of this. And we have to take that into account when we start reading things like, The Lord struck the child that Uriah's wife bore. Bored to David and it became very ill God did not do that there But it is important to take note That the baby did become very ill David therefore pleaded with God for the child David fasted and went in And lay all night on the ground The elders of his house stood beside him Urging him to rise from the ground But he wouldn't Nor did he eat On the seventh day The child died and the servants of David were afraid to tell him that the child was dead for they said while the child was still alive we spoke to him he didn't listen to us so how then can we tell him the child is dead they were afraid that he may do some harm to himself when David saw that his servants were whispering together he perceived that the child was dead and David said to his servants is the child dead? And they said, He is dead. Now, here is the part that I really want us to focus on this morning and learn our lesson about guilt. David rose from the ground, he took a shower, he anointed himself. That was one of their spiritual practices, anointing with oil. He changed his clothes. He went into the house of the Lord and he worshiped He then went to his own house and when he asked they set food before him and he ate Then his servants said to him What is this thing that you've done? You've fasted and wept for the child while it was still alive But when the child died you rose and you ate food And he said While the child was still alive, I fasted and I wept, for I said, who knows? The Lord may be gracious to me, and the child may live, but now he is dead. Why should I fast? Can I bring him back again? I shall go to him, but he will not return to me. David had some actions that violated a moral, ethical, or legal code. He slept with another woman's, or he slept with another man's wife and then had the man killed. That's wrong. He felt guilty after Nathan, the prophet, came to him and said, man, you've messed up. That's when he felt guilty. Simultaneously, you know, the baby becomes very ill. And I really want us to understand God does not make babies die. Not the God that I worship and can reconcile in theology. But the baby became ill. And the whole time that the baby was ill, David is lying on the ground and feeling very guilty. Feeling guilty that this young, innocent life is, is struggling. And, and he knows in the back of, the mi- of his mind that his actions were wrong. And so he begs and he pleads with God, God, please intervene. Show your mercy. Show your grace. And the child dies. Again, I don't believe the child died to prove a point. That's not God. If God's omnipotent, God doesn't need to prove points like that. But the child dies. David gets up. He takes a shower. He anoints himself. He worships God. And then he goes and he has a meal. The people don't understand. What are you doing? You eat now? How can you eat now? There was nothing he could do to change it at that point. And that's what he says to them. There's nothing you can do to change it. There's nothing I can do. Someday I will go to him. But he's not going to come back to me. David worked through his guilt in the very same way that you and I are called to work through our guilt. And the beautiful thing is we get to see the rest of the story. We get to see how Jesus lived his life and the lessons that he taught. David messed up really, really bad. I mean, he took some man's life. But he reconciled that with god and remember god is not a faraway being god is in Us the spirit of god is in us. We are a trinitarian people And so he goes to that place deep within himself and he connects with the spirit of god and he Reconciles for his sin. He asks forgiveness for his sin sin is missing the mark Now jesus When he lived on earth and he taught and he showed people how to live, he did one key thing. He said, follow me to all people. He said, follow me. Now, one of the scriptures that's most misused most often is, you know, people say, well, Jesus said, follow me, go and sin no more, especially when the woman who had multiple partners, you know, came to Jesus and he showed her love. They always say, well, you know, he said, go and sin no more. You are exactly right. He did. What does that mean? Sin is missing the mark. So to that lady in that instance, he said, look, what you're doing is not bringing you love. What you're doing inside and with your body. Is not bringing you inner peace And inner love and inner contentment So go Sin no more Quit missing the mark That was intended for you She knew what that mark was That's her moral compass And there is not A universal moral compass For all of humanity Other than we are called And responsible to live Into love That's it That's it. So Jesus always told the people, go. Don't miss the mark. And the mark was living in love. David missed the mark significantly. He knew it. He changed his behavior, and then he got up. And he went, and he changed how he lived, and his legacy remains today. His temple exists still in Jerusalem. Guilt is good when it prompts us to change our actions. Guilt is not good if it is self-imposed. So here's your takeaway from today. You ask yourself, can I do something to change my behavior, my behavior that I did intentionally to bring harm to somebody else? When you do something that is intentional to hurt someone, and we do that, then you should feel guilty. I should feel guilty. But if you didn't do it on purpose... If you just messed up You don't need to carry around all this guilt and don't let someone else's moral code cause you to feel guilty One of the biggest challenges my dad and I had when he married his wife Now my mom my stepmom died. He married a third time was that her idea of family Was very Waltons if you're old enough to know the Waltons TV program where you're all together 24-7 etc It was that kind of idea of family. That's not my idea of family And so she would say things that would make me feel guilty. Well, it'd be nice if you'd come see your daddy more It'd be nice if you'd call your daddy more It'd be nice blah 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 if you did this more and for a long time I battled that guilt Then I had to realize, you know, am I doing this on purpose? No. We live an hour away. We have two children. We both work. Life is crazy busy, and it doesn't mean I don't love my dad. I do what I can when I can. And so I was able to let that guilt go. You each, we each, have things in our lives that cause us to feel guilty. We have to discern Are they real? Are they real things that we've done because we have broken our own moral compass? Or are they accidental? And we didn't mean to bring harm to other people. It is in that time and in those moments that we're called to let that guilt go. And we can do that because of the person, Jesus. He showed us how to let that guilt go. And he did it on a night in the upper room with the disciples. They were celebrating the feast of the Passover. If y'all could turn the lights up so the folks online can see me. In the upper room with the disciples that night... They were celebrating this feast of the Passover. It was a ritual for them. It was a big, big, big deal, this feast of the Passover. And so Jesus reclassified the rules that night. He said, at this meal, uh, now, pretty soon, I'm I'm not going to be with you anymore. So I want you to remember, remember some things. This is my body and it is broken for you And every time you eat of this I want you to do this And I want you to remember me Remember what I've taught you remember, remember the way that I've led And then he took the cup And he said this is my blood Shed for you and for all For forgiveness of sins For forgiveness of missing the mark And every time you drink of this, I want you to do it in in remembrance of me. This is a cup of the new covenant. Not the 630 some laws, but the ultimate law. To love God and love one another. If you do that, if we do that, we have no need to ever feel guilty. Let us pray. Gracious God, thank you for this gift of the bread and the cup because it is in the perfect life of Jesus He showed us how to be at one with you Atonement He gave us the ultimate gift when he hung on the cross and he said, Father, forgive them for they don't know what we do God, so many times in our lives, we don't know what we do when we miss the mark And we let guilt cloud us and shame us into being people that uh, We're not supposed to be, we're supposed to be happy and full of joy and peace. Pour out your spirit on this bread and this cup. Make it be for us. Your body and your blood. For all the people here and worshiping with us online. We ask this in Christ's name who taught us how to go. Amen. thing had to happen with David to make him get up off the floor. And go take a shower. And anoint himself with oil and worship. Something had to change inside him. That something was connecting with the help that comes from God. We all have that same help that we can tap into. If you want to tap into that and you just can't, let me know. That's what I'm here for. We all have the opportunity to be free and be at one with God because of the love of Christ. We're set free from guilt. Go. And live as free people. Amen.